Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. How many of you are ready to jump in the Word? Okay, now let me ask you this. How many of you are not hungry for breakfast, but hungry for the Lord in your life? I'm hungry. You, you know what I find is that what I'm hungry for, I seek it out. I seek it out in my life. And when we're hungry for the Lord, we kind of have a, a satellite dish that is pointed toward him saying, Lord, I'm hungry for you in my life. We have been in a series and the title of it is The Proving Ground. And when you talk about the proving ground, it's really important that we understand that the underlying foundation and premise for this series is that God is good, that God wants to bless our lives. We see it over and over again. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament over and over. And that God loves us. He gave his only son to pay for our mistakes so that we could be restored to him. And now the Bible tells us that he goes ahead of us and he has a plan for our lives. He has a plan for our future. It's already blessed. We don't have to ask it to be blessed. It's already blessed in that what he does is that he wants to bless our lives. But equally, since he loves us, he wants to make sure that as he leads and blesses our life, we have the capacity to handle it, where it's not something that hinders or messes with us, but we we're able to handle it and it doesn't screw up our life. Do you know that the Bible calls you and I, it calls us a vessel. You ever think about that? It says that we're vessels of God. You know, another word for, for vessel could be container. I'm a container. You're a God container wherever you go. But then equally is that realize this, that when we talk about God's, think that'll stay? Y'all think it'll stay? If it doesn't, it's going that way, Jack. So just get ready. Um, but if, if, if let's just say that this is our life and we come to God and we say, God, I believe in your blessing and I want you to fill me. What God does is he begins to fill our life. And as he fills our life, we're like, oh, this is good. How many of you are with me on that? Is he begins to fill our life, but understand our capacity is this. This is what our capacity is. If this glass had a brain, which it does not, okay? And it said, I want more than what I currently have. Understand that as much as I put in, its capacity is limited. And so what God does is he comes into our life and he increases our capacity. And the way that he does this is he allows us to get put in situations. He leads us. And as we respond to him rightly, we grow in our capacity to handle more of him. It gets larger and larger. And as we go through life, what his goal is, is to continue to expand our capacity. And sometimes what I have noticed as believers is that we're saying, God, I want more of what you've promised in 
in my life. And what God does is he sets us up and he sets us up to increase our capacity so that we can handle more. And what it is, is he wants to increase our capacity, but every step of the way, we have a choice. Capacity speaks to my ability to handle where I'm at and what I've been been entrusted with in a life-giving way. If right now you're absolutely maxed at where you're at, God wants to increase your capacity where you're at so that you can handle it in a life-giving way. I think sometimes in our life, we're like, God, I'm just, I just need more. And God's like, excuse me, but we're, you're not handling where you're at in a healthy way. You're not here. And so I want to, I want to show you and I want to grow you. And so this series, the proving ground is about God wanting to increase our capacity for more of what he's promised and his desires for our life. Maybe more relationships, deeper relationships, maybe more peace and a deeper peace, maybe more favor and a greater favor, maybe greater provision, you know, more of everything that pertains to this life. Look at what it says in Third John, verse 2, it says, Beloved, so we could say that's us, we're the beloved of God. I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. Notice that is God says, I want to bless you, but you've got to prosper on the inside in order to handle that. God deeply cares about every area of our life, but understand above everything else is he cares about my soul. He cares about where I'm at on the inside. And that if I'm here and I'm maxed out, what we have found out very simply is that God will allow and even lead certain types of tests that when we respond to them right in our life, it increases our capacity. How many of you are grateful that doctors have to go through certain tests before they work on your cranium? How many of you are with me on that? How many of you are grateful that the people around you have to pass a driving test and it's not mail-in license? How many of you are with me on that? And see, and you say, why is that? Because if they don't go through the test, then they don't have the skill. And so God, he sets us up and we've talked about, he sets us up for, and he allows us and leads us to go through tests. No one is exempt. We found out not even Jesus in the the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Caleb, Joshua, David. I mean, you could stop and you could go over on the gal side. You can go Sarah, Deborah, Esther. All of them had to go through this and no one is exempt. They're developmental, but they're open book, which means we can have the Bible and say, God, I need you to direct me in regard to this test. Every hero we have in the Bible went through these tests and it's because because God loves us and he doesn't want anything to hurt us as he blesses our life. And so we've identified nine tests that God will lead us through. Today we're on number five. Uh, if you were not here, you can go online. But we found out the first test is the test of small things. The test of small things. Everything God does starts small. The next is the motiva motivation test. 
not just what I do, but why do I do what I do? If what I do is right, but my motive is wrong, then the longer it goes, the worse it will get. But if what I do is right and my motive or my inside thinking is right, then the longer it goes, the better it gets. The credibility test was number three. Last week, we talked about the wilderness test. And today we're going to talk about the authority test. Everybody say the authority test. The, the authority test. This test comes to prove your respect for the authority that God has put in your life. Do I respect the authorities that God has put in my life? And, and you know, I think in every worthwhile endeavor, there is a need for an authority structure. And the reason there's a need is what God intended for authority to be is a solution to chaos, a solution to lawlessness, a solution to poor organization. That's what God intended authority to be. Jesus understood authority and provided an incredible example of how we're to think about authority in Matthew chapter 22. And I'm gonna, you, if you wanna uh, turn to Matthew chapter 22, we're gonna look, start um, in verse 21. But if you look at this story, what you find out is a group of Pharisees and Herodians are hoping to get Jesus on something controversial. And so they ask him if he should pay tax, if they should pay tax to Caesar. Ironic. What's in a couple of weeks? Taxes. <laughs> Just, you know what I'm saying? How many of you know when they mess with our money, messes with our heart? How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you look and say they could do better? They could. How many of you look and say they're a bunch of drunken sailors? How many of you know? You know what I'm saying? Okay, listen. I'm bearing my heart with you. Okay, but what I want to do is I want to get in. I want to look at what Jesus said. So this is controversial, and they ask him if they should pay tax. For Jesus to say that they should pay tax would be dishonoring not only to his heritage, but his religion. But then over on the other side, to say that they shouldn't pay tax would brand him in the minds of the Romans as a revolutionary. They were hoping to get a yes or a no answer out of Jesus, but his response, I believe, reveals what our response should be to authority in our life. And in this environment, remember, they're talking about paying taxes to Rome so we could readily say particularly what our response should be to maybe corrupt authority or authority that we look and say they're wrong. This, this is just, I mean, Jesus' response. And, and you know, when we, what we're going to see is that his answer defies all natural response in our life. It, we're just sitting here going, tilt. But it wasn't a natural question. It was a spiritual question. And so Jesus asked them, whose picture is on the coin in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, 21? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God, or render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things that are God are God's to God. You know, this answer shows us how we can, in most cases, 
pass the authority test in our life. And, and it maintains respect for those in authority. When you look at this, if Caesar, he basically said, if Caesar wants a coin, whose face is on the coin? Oh, it's Caesar's. Then give Caesar the coin. But if Caesar wanted worship of his subjects, Jesus would have answered very different that our worship belongs to God. What I want you to notice is he talks about two levels of authority. There is a natural authority, that, he, and we're going to see a little bit later on, the apostle Paul really drilled into it. There's a natural authority that that is down here on the earth and there's a spiritual authority and God says we're going to see in his word that they are connected in these two levels of authority what we'll see is that God gives tests that will always reveal our attitude toward authority figures in our life they will reveal our attitude if we struggle with people telling us what to do this test is going to reveal it it's going to reveal it if we despise those in authority for having privileges that we don't have, this test will reveal it. If we struggle with anybody telling us anything to pass this test, we can't focus on the mistakes and the errors of those in authority, but we must focus on the need of our attitude toward authority to be right in our life. When we see things that we disagree, when we see things that we don't like, what attitude do I have on the inside as it pertains to authority? What attitude? I find that many times we're wanting to either change or challenge authority, and what God is, is God is wanting to change or challenge our heart attitude toward authority. I can't tell you how many people that I have been around that are incredibly gifted, they're incredibly responsible, they're incredibly punctual, but they have a bad attitude toward authority in their life. And so everybody gets promoted around them and they don't experience the promotion because they can't pass the authority test. They can't pass it in their life. Our greatest test with authority comes when we don't like or we disagree what authority says. And I'm going to, um, about two weeks ago, I got pulled over. My wife didn't know this. Okay. <laughs> I got pulled over. And the speed limit went from 40 to, it went from 40 to 30 in like 100 yards. And I got pulled over. And how many of you know, I'm like, I could, why didn't you give me a warning sign? Why didn't, you know what I'm saying? The guy walks up to my window and he says, you know, you were speeding. I said, yes, sir. I was. And I'm sorry. I was speeding. He looks at me and he says, can I have your license and your registration? And I thought he was going to ask my insurance because he's just license registration. He goes and it's dark outside. And he comes back and he hands it to me and he says, just slow it down next time. What do you think would have happened if I had said, this is ridiculous. I don't believe in the police. I just can't believe. How many of y'all know? It would have just been like, ching, ching, ching. And I would have said, the devil ripped me off. No, it wasn't. It was my rebellious attitude toward authority that got me in problems. Okay, everybody look up. Don't look down. Just everybody look up. You know what I'm saying? And, and our greatest test with authority comes when we don't like or disagree with authority. 
You know, as long as authority figures in our life make decisions and do everything we like and want them to, there can be no testing for respect for authority until we disagree with authority. When we disagree with authority, following isn't what we do when we agree. Following is what we do when we disagree. That's what it is. And this means we need to observe our attitude when authority does things that we don't understand, we don't like, and we don't agree with. And I can almost, as I'm standing up here, hear somebody say, well, what if authority is corrupt? What if authority is dishonest? What if authority is bad? Are you telling me I have to submit to authority when they ask me to do the wrong thing? Now realize two levels of authority. If authority asks you to do something that is in direct violation to the Bible, then you have a submissive attitude and you say, excuse me, but I, my number one allegiance is with God and that goes against his Bible. So I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to do things. And, and you say, but with a right attitude in my heart, I can't have this attitude that I'm going to come off with a rebellious attitude. You know, in a couple of minutes, we're going to look at what God says, but I'm hoping that we'll learn the proper response to authority because like Jesus, like Paul, like Peter, and every other person in the person in the Bible, is we're gonna find ourselves under people that have that when you talk about authority, is we look and we say, I don't respect them, I don't like them, I don't think they're good. They abuse it, they misuse it, their authority. Our goal is to develop a good attitude toward those in authority so that that whether we're around people that handle authority good or we're around people that handle authority bad, our attitude is reverent toward God. Our attitude is an attitude that says, God, I realize what you say about authority. And I want to right now just kind of set this up, and I want to give you three things that'll develop, that'll help us to develop a good attitude toward authority and to pass the authority test in our life. Say this with me. Say, Lord, I'm ready to pass. Set me up to pass. I know what that means, that I'm going to be around people that rub me, that are wrong, but they're an authority figure in my life. And Lord, I want to have your attitude. Do you remember when Jesus was being going to the cross and the Bible says, Pontius Pilate asked him questions. He answered him not a word. He was just quiet. And then he said, I mean, think about this for a moment. He could have summoned a legion of angels, the Bible tells us, to take him down. And Pontius Pilate is there and he said, you would have no authority unless my father in heaven had given you the authority. I mean, he's looking at somebody who is so corrupt if you study his life, his personal lifestyle was absolutely a disaster. But he's recognized the need. The apostle Paul, when he was on trial, and the high priest ordered Paul to be slapped in, while he was on trial, Paul snaps back and says, God will, God will smite you, you whitewashed tomb. And then they said, that's the high priest. Immediately, Paul recognized, and he said, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were a person of authority. And the Bible says that I'm to respect those, even though this guy was wrong. And so number one, 
one is when we talk about things that will help us develop a good attitude toward authority and pass the test. Number one is this, is an awareness of authority. You know, when they asked Jesus about Caesar and taxes, by Jesus saying, pay Caesar, what he did is he honored Caesar's position. He recognized he was in a position of authority. Jesus didn't honor Caesar because he agreed and that they had similar values. It, I mean, I probably could guarantee they did not, but he honored him for his position. As corrupt and messed up and ungodly as Caesar was, Jesus honored him for the position he was in. I believe today in America, there is a spirit of rebellion toward all authority because a lot of authority figures have corrupted, they've done things, and I believe that God is saying, I'm giving my people a test. They're going to through a test. Are you going to just buy in to the world system? You know, we're going to find out in a couple of minutes why Jesus said that, but I want to ask you a question right now. Who has an authority position in your life, right now in your life, in your family? Who has the authority position in your career? Who has an authority position in your career? And maybe you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm at school. Who has the authority position in your school? At church, who has the authority position? In your community, in the government, who has the authority positions? You know, I have been around people who love God. They work hard, but man, they just struggle with recognizing authority in their life, and they're unable to move forward in their life, and God is giving them a test, and every time something happens that they don't like, they have a rebellious attitude, they have a, a stinky attitude, and it's just kind of like, oh my gosh. You know, as you think about these areas, think about maybe your attitude toward whoever it is in your life, and say, okay, God, what I realize is you said to render to Caesar or the respect of his position, I maybe look at the person and say, you know, uh, but you know what? Because you said I'm to render to Caesar or to give him the respect for his position, I will. Number two is this, is God wants me to understand what it's like to be under authority and in authority. God, you say, I deserve authority. God wants you to understand what it's like to be under authority and in authority. You say, why is that? Because it affects his blessing, his favor, and his plans on your life. You know, there's a story in, in Luke chapter 7 about a guy who's a Roman centurion, and he has a servant that's sick, and he's about to die. And a centurion, meaning he's a Roman officer that has a hundred um, soldiers underneath him. And so he sends a message to Jesus and he says, will you come and heal my servant that is in my house? And so Jesus agrees and is en route to this guy's house. But before he gets to this guy's house, a messenger meets him with a message. And I want to pick it up in Luke chapter 7, verse 6 through verse 10. So Jesus went with them, but just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and to meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Now look at verse 8. 
I know this because I am under authority of my superior officials and I have authority over my soldiers. Notice this, he was under authority before he had authority in his life. When we talk about God blessing our life, God says you need to be under authority for you to step into the authority that I have for your life. He says, I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officials and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. If I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Now, what I want you to notice is that statement. This guy is not even a Jew. This guy is a Roman officer. And Jesus is in ministry and he's got thousands of people following him. And Jesus connects his understanding of authority to his understanding of faith. And he says, I have not seen faith like this in all Israel. I mean, I could imagine the 12 disciples or at least Peter, because, you know, Peter would speak up. What am I, chopped liver? How many of you know what I'm saying? He's looking at this Roman guy and Jesus gives us insight into great faith. It says, and when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. This guy's functioning understanding of authority affected how he received from Jesus. It affected how he received from Jesus. Living with great faith is living with a great understanding of authority in our lives. If I get around people and they're just bad-mouthing the authorities that are around them, what I simply know is this, they don't have a lot of power. And the reason is, now, now understand this, I can look at particular authority figures and if I let myself, I can have a disrespectful attitude toward them. But when I read the Bible and I see Jesus' example of it is God is saying, you know what, you're having an authority test right now because yes, they're wrong. Yes, all, but I am the one that is over all authority in your life. Number three is this is God wants me to accept what his word says about authority. Say that with me. God, I accept what your word says about authority. It's really important that we understand that the Bible was written about people that were bad, people that had the same types of experience we have, that the Bible, if you look at the authority figures in the New Testament, it's that, that, that they went through the same type of stuff that we go through. They had bad leaders. They had bad bosses. They had ungodly leaders. They had corrupt leaders. They had crooked governments. They had bad parents. They had unfair leaders. They had leaders with bad attitudes. Even with all of that, the Bible is absolute on its command that we accept and we honor the authorities that God has put over our life. I said earlier, it defies natural. If you're, going, if you're a natural test, you're going to be like, no way. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Everyone, quick question, is there anybody exempt from this one? Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. 
and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants set, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Now God gets into our conscience. Now look at what he said. Pay your taxes too. For those same reasons, for the government workers need to be paid, they are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. What I want you to notice is this, is God, it says God is the highest authority and he puts other people in authority under him. How many of you before have ever, okay, look, I'm, I'm just setting you up. Okay, everybody in here, if you don't lift your hand, I'm going to throw some of this water on you. Okay, how many of you have ever been under authority, under somebody's authority that you just thought, there is no way that these people are worthy of my respect? How many of you know what I'm saying? You just looked. But what I want you to notice is God doesn't differentiate. He says, think about this for a moment. Jacob in the Old Testament, the Bible says, was under his father-in-law Laban who cheated him, cut his wages seven times and only did what was wrong. But Jacob maintained an attitude of respect for his authority. If you look at Jesus, if you look at the apostle Paul, see, honor is my attitude. Attitude is my inside thinking and views. You know, David became the greatest king that Israel ever had. But if you study his life, what you find out is that where he started is the Bible says that the prophet Samuel came to his town and anointed him to be the king. And then when Goliath showed up, he wasn't even supposed to be there, but he shows up to bring bread and cheese to his brothers. Goliath shows up and David goes out and kills him. And the Bible says from that day forward that Saul wanted him in his kingdom. So Saul takes him into his kingdom, but he begins to despise David. He begins to hate David and he tries to kill him on numerous times. One time he got so close to killing David that he hurled a spear, and the Bible says it stuck David's coat to the wall. David let it go and ran out. How many of y'all know that's pretty close? This guy's Saul is absolutely demon-possessed if you study his life. He's murdered priests. He's tried to murder David countless times. David was anointed by Samuel to be the next king. But what you see is that when Saul one time is hunting him down, he's trying to kill him with his entire army, that David goes into this cave and he's hiding and it gets set up. And I believe it was a test. He gets set up. He's in the back of the cave and Saul decides to come into this cave and to sleep for the night by his 
himself. And so David's around his few men in the back of the cave. Saul has no idea that he's there. And the Bible says Saul lays down and he goes to sleep. And David's men turned to him and said, this is your moment. This is what God said your day. You need to go out there and kill him and the kingdom will be yours. And the Bible says David got up and went over to kill Saul. And just before he did it, the Bible says that his spirit within him smote him. His spirit within him said, this is the wrong thing to do. And so he reaches out and he cuts a piece of his, his, uh, a piece of his garment off and goes back into the cave. In the morning, Saul wakes up and goes out. And when he's down in the valley, David comes out of the cave and hollers to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you? He's respectful. Why are you trying to kill me? I could have killed you in the night. But the Bible says that David refused. He said, I will not raise my hand against the authority that God has put on the king. God's the one that's going to have to do that. And what we've got to realize in our life is that sometimes God will set us up. He'll put us around authorities that we look at and we say, I don't agree. I don't like it. I don't think it's fair. I do it different. Whatever. You're in an authority test. And God is saying, will you have a right spirit and a right heart? Will I have a right spirit and a right heart? And you say, well, what do you mean by that? And I want to just, you say, well, I just need a little bit more guidance. Number one is have an honoring attitude to the authorities in your life. Have an honoring attitude. You say they live dishonoring, but you have to stop and say, God, I'm honoring you by honoring them. I'm going to honor you by honoring them. But number two is you, you say, well, gosh, they're just, you know, they're doing this or they're doing that or it's wrong and it's illegal and all of those types of things. We'll go to the higher authority with the right attitude, obviously first to God, but then in different, in different companies and in different environments, they have a boss, they have somebody, but with the right attitude. And you just go in and say, look, I don't want to, but I'm struggling with something and I need you to help me. You go with the right attitude to a superior, not to everybody around you, not to all the workers on the floor, not to everybody that's on your ship. And this is, that is a rebellious attitude. And God is saying, no, you go to the higher authority. And then the next thing is if you can't get what you feel like is just or what's right is quietly like David did back up. Just quietly back up. Don't create rebellion. Don't create dissension. And I think in our life sometimes, and just to, they want me to sit down. I want to just throw up a couple reflection questions really quick. Go ahead and throw them up. Have you struggled with authority? Why or why not? Just ask yourself that. Are you struggling right now? This is just for me to reflect in my own heart. Number two is this. If you're in authority, how would you rate your leadership on a scale of one to 10? You should rate it. You're, okay, but then equally, what are some ways that you can improve, that you can get better? Next reflection, I think all of these are on the app. Is that correct? I think all of these are on the app. How can I take control of my reactions when I'm around authority? Lord, how can I take control of the way that I'm reacting when I'm around authority? What does submitting to authority look like in your life, in your situation, in your sphere? Knowing that God is the ultimate authority, 
How does that change your perspective of the current situation and maybe who you're under, who you're around, since God's the ultimate? Think about some ways that you can just stop and say, I'm going to begin, Lord, I realize it right now that this has been an issue in my life and I need to begin to respond well to authority. And the next is who's in authority over you right now? Who is it? Just stop and look. Who's in authority in your life? How can you improve your relationship with them? How can you stop and say, okay, I realize it. God, I need to improve my relationship. I'm going to stop right there, but I want to say this, that if this has been an issue in your heart and in your life, and it's just re reoccurred over and over again, I want to encourage you a great book by the guy by the name of John Bevere, and it's called Undercover. And it's just a, a, a deep dive into, okay, God, I realize, I realize what you're saying. I realize what you're doing. And I think in our lives sometimes, what God is doing is he's wanting us to realize that when we're around authority figures in our life that we disagree with, they could even be wrong. What is the attitude that comes up in my heart? Is this an attitude of honor? Is it an attitude of God? I recognize that you're over my life. You're equipping me, you're preparing me, and I'm gonna have a respectful, honoring attitude because it, like when Jesus honored Caesar, he actually honored you. And so I'm gonna do that right now. Stand to your feet if you would. Are y'all still with me? God, today, as we talk about this, Lord, I feel like that our world today is just incredibly uncivil with the attitude toward authority. But I think all of us can sit here to say, and say that there's certain people in certain positions of authority that, Lord, we, we just think our, our babysitter could do a better job. But, Lord, what we realize is you're, oh, you are the one that is in authority and that you have a plan for everything. And, Lord, we're asking you to, to help us. God, help us have a right attitude. Help us have a right response to those that are in authority in our life. Because what we realize is that this is a necessary test that every one of us are gonna go through. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving around, you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ. You've never come to a spot where you've said, Lord, I need you, and I'm asking you, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and be the Lord of my life. I want to pray for you right where you're at. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to just lift your hand. You say, why do you want me to lift my hand? Because it is an outward response of something that's going in your heart. It's not just an inside thing. It is me saying, Lord, I'm all in. And when we respond naturally to an internal conviction, it drives it deeper in our life. You're here and you say, that's me. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, 
I believe that you're God's son, that you gave your life to pay for my mistakes. Lord, don't leave me to myself. Help me, God. I give you my heart and the rest of my life. I invite your Holy Spirit to wash me. I repent of my sins and I choose Jesus today. In Jesus' name, amen.